episode 137 of Friends in Film. We're here to bring you the latest movie news and review the biggest new release, which this week is Crazy Rich Asians. As always, I'm your host, Coop Hood, and this week, I'm joined by Josh Straley. Hello, everyone. And, as always, we're going to kick things off just by quickly discussing, other than Crazy Rich Asians, what have you been watching recently? Last night, I snuck a peek at To All the Boys I Loved Before, the Netflix movie based off of the book that everyone was loving, and it's super sweet. And you know, child, not childish, but earnest. Uh, and also, you know, captures like um, the panic modes that you can go into when crushes go around and it revolves around that. And I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I was half asleep most of it, <laughs> but I got all the way to the end and it's, it's a good Netflix movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I put up a review this week for Black Klansman or Black Klansman. However you want to, however we're pronouncing this. Spike Lee says the K is silent. Okay. Well, which K? The <laughs> middle. It doesn't matter? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, I checked out Black Clans. You can read my review on the site. I loved it. But since you can read my thoughts on the site, friendsofhome.wordpress.com, to read my full thoughts on Black Clans, and I want to use this time to briefly talk about a movie, A Prayer Before Dawn. Ooh. This was a uh, like true story boxing movie that hit like uh, on demand this past weekend i rented it from amazon because i remember seeing a trailer for it for like i don't know late last year and it was just like it looked like a fighting movie with intrigue and i was like okay like this this looks right up my alley i love fighting movies and it stars joe cole who oh. was in green room and he is phenomenal in that movie and he's great in this one as well i think the story wasn't as strong as i was hoping for but there is a great what I believe was a very long one take fighting sequence where Joe Cole is like just getting physically destroyed. And I'm just like, hats off to you. I got to give you credit where credit's due. Um, but the movie didn't necessarily live up to everything I wanted it to be just because the story is a little co- more complicated than I expected. And there's less fighting and there's yeah. more of like the first hour is all about like his life in prison and like prison rules and prison, uh, Yard activities, oh, okay. um, some that are not necessarily enjoyable to watch on the big on the screen. So, if you want to check that out, check it out. I mean, it's good enough, but not great. What's it called again? Uh, Prayer before dawn. Prayer before dawn. I'm on it. So, uh, Josh, on that note, where can people find us online? That's a great question. They can get all of our latest updates um, on Twitter at Friends and Film, and you can get it. All the rest of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or practically anywhere else you um, get your podcasts at. Mm-hmm. Um, but also on iTunes, if you can, please rate and review us. It really helps. Yeah, and just to give a little bonus incentive, uh, we announced this past week our Super Duper Gauntlet giveaway, which includes a digital copy of Deadpool 2 and Avengers Infinity War, Ooh. and it can all be yours by participating with us through different social media activities, whether it's retweeting or liking a post, uh, sharing our episodes, or you get just a ton of entries if you go leave us a review. So there's been a couple people who took advantage of that this week. We'll see if it plays out in their favor when we announce the winner on uh, August 24th. That's when we'll announce the winner of this giveaway. So you'll still have a couple more chances if you're just hearing this now and you missed all the updates on the giveaway to enter and get involved. But on that note, let's move in to our review this week, which is Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, if you haven't listened to the past couple episodes, we briefly changed up our format where we're doing short spoiler-free sections and then spoiler-focused conversation where we can just kind of talk about the movie freely. So, Josh, what did you think of Crazy Rich Asians? I loved it. Just in every way. Um, there was not a moment that was 
bad in this entire film. There, it was a fish out of water story, but it sort of goes around all of those romantic or the the tropes, I guess, mm-hmm. of that um, in a lot of ways. But also, you know, adheres to. Um, I, I mean, I guess I don't know um, Asian culture that well, yeah. at least, or at least in the broad strokes of it. Um, outside of that, but it, it at the heart of it, it's ultimately a story about love and family, and it's funny as heck. Um, there is Aquafina, who did some really good things at Ocean's Eight earlier this year, just breaks out of this entire movie, and I think it's going to like you know send her career like mm-hmm. you know to the moon or and back or wherever the case is. Um, but Constance Wu and Henry Golding is the leading couple. Perfect. Um, I haven't seen her in anything outside of fresh off the boat. And she's sort of like a stereotype there, but mm-hmm. she just excels um, incredibly. Uh, and then, you know, it's just basically a who's who of Asian actors that you see in all sorts of other TV and film spots, Jimmy O Yang, um, Ken Jeong, and they're all perfect and lovely. Um, and, yeah, it just, it keeps you interested, um, and it just has an earnest an earnestness to it and a sweetness to it that um, I really appreciate it. And you get to kind of just see these broad strokes areas of Singapore and kind of how they live, and it's incredibly enjoyable. Um, there's some things that we'll talk about in a moment, though, that I'll get down to, but just really loved it. Um, and I would give it four and a half out of five ticket stubs. All right. Uh, I will echo pretty much everything you said there. I think it's just a delightful film. Uh, I'm glad we were able to convince me to do this one instead of Mile 22. Uh, I haven't seen Mile 22 yet, so but it's not getting great word of mouth so far. But uh, Constance Wu, I thought, was phenomenal. Henry Golding was great. Uh, really, the entire cast impressed me. Um, but I was also really impressed with John M. Cho, or John M. Chu uh, as the director. Who you know he's done other stuff in the past, but then in this one he was able to do such a great balance between focusing on the specific characters that are the main characters and that are the driving force, but then also give plenty of the other supporting characters like their own stories and giving time for like uh, Gemma Chan's uh, character for like mm-hmm. her to really flesh her story out and I have like her own subplot that like worked itself into the main story really well. Um, so I was impressed by that. Really great conversations about like identity and acceptance and like oh, well, you're not completely Asian, you're Asian American. And that's totally different because you may look like us, but you inside or in your brain or whatever, like it does, it's not the same. So I th- yeah. it was very interesting that conversation to have um, in the movie between those characters, but also just like the way this movie looked and felt, it was just so vibrant and extravagant. It felt like a real world, like fairy tale, basically. It's like Singapore is just like, looks phenomenal and like, uh, John does like these really like playful uh, like editing tricks where he's like uh, when Wu and Golding are, like having like a conversation about going to Singapore for the wedding like there are these like yes like the Asian like talk chain mm-hmm. uh, just like it's like jumping around there's like these colorful little dashes that like show like sound yeah. effects and there's like really like I felt like a, a genius way to kind of move the story forward so fun with some like otherwise kind of boring aspects mm-hmm. um it is it is like you know typical rom-com fair like you know there's still the the tropes you expect um there's like so it, it didn't like you know break new boundaries in that regards from the from a storytelling perspective in sure. that way but you know it breaks ground in whole other areas by being the first movie or being the second movie like ever in hollywood have it be led by an asian cast which is just crazy mm-hmm. um 
I thought it was great. I would go slightly lower than you and give it four ticket stubs out of five. Okay. So we move on into spoilers here. Josh, where do you want to start off? Uh, the parts where I cried probably or came really close to crying. Okay. I didn't actually cry. Um, but for, first off, the wedding um, that's yeah. at the heart of this thing is immaculate, but also just uh, how they go about it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's set in this cathedral and inside there's just like all this foliage that turns it into like a forest and like almost fairy tale ass yeah. the word borrow the word you used and i'm like oh, all right this is pretty cool and then these lights come out as the bride comes down the aisle but the coolest part is just when uh can't help falling in love starts mm-hmm. to play and i'm like oh no i guess that's why i started <laughs> to feel something and then when they say when like a river flows the aisle like a water just starts to pour down it and the bride comes out and i'm like this is the coolest thing i have ever yeah. seen at a wedding before and then the moment between um, uh, Rachel and, what's his name, Nick, mm-hmm. as they're just kind of smiling and looking at each other the entire crying, ceremony. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my heart's broken right here. Um, and then the second part, though, just to finish out of there real mm-hmm. quick, is when the um, Catherine Ho's cover of Cold Place Yellow starts to play at the yeah. end of the movie. Um, and she's singing it in Mandarin, but you still know exactly what's being you can kind of discern what's being mm-hmm. said and all those um bumps up and downs and like that got me too yeah because i love the song but then i read director john cho's um john chu i'm sorry his take on the song about how he asked coldplay like can we use this song and they're like no then he wrote them a letter that said how because yeah um yellow is like a term he got called like an FFF, mm-hmm. Rachel yeah. FFF, you know, and he's like, I'd love to reappropriate it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that just makes it yeah. even more beautiful. But uh, those two moments in particular, just more I'm like, oh, this movie is just perfect. Yeah, that the wedding scene is, uh, yeah, it, it's it's the best part of the movie probably because it's just it everything that is happening that leads up to that scene is just, it's firing all cylinders at that point. It's the chemistry between Golding and Wu and Wu's exceptional performance throughout the entire thing. She's just killing it and but then there's also like her supporting Gemma Chan and like Gemma Chan like standing there with the grandma because she just like basically broke up with like basically decided to leave her husband because she he was cheating on her mm-hmm. and then Michelle Yeoh is just like just, like piercing daggers at everybody's been like how how can she become accepted by you know the head of I don't remember like what the she's the princess of like Thailand or something yeah and like yeah. she's like accepted by like this person who just doesn't accept anybody else but like was able to just connect that person instantly and just like there's so many so much dynamics and then yeah the, the visual aspect of it's like that's just like the most beautiful wedding I've ever seen mm-hmm. um and it's just it's just it was it was crazy and yeah I mean yeah you definitely get emotional watching it because like everything is just working. And they did such a good job building up to that point for that the movie that it's like by the time we get to the wedding and you have Golding like saying like you know or mouthing I love you to Wu in the audience it's just like man that just that just gets you yeah. it can't it can't not get you mm-hmm. for sure and even prior to this point you just come off of a really hilarious high with um, Aquafina and Ken Jeong and um, Constance Wu like you know getting Rachel ready mm-hmm. for 
the wedding. And they're like, you got to go in there and just take what's yours. Yeah. Prove to um, Michelle Yeoman's character, the mom, Nick's mm-hmm. mom, that you're here to stay and you're ready to play ball. And it comes off of like a hilarious montage of them getting ready. That also features um, all the cousin Oliver, who's played by Nick Santos. Oh, who is, he was hilarious. Yeah, I have never. So good. Has he been in anything else I, before? I, I don't think so. I would love to see him in so many things because he. <laughs> he was just so awkward. It's like yes. the, the, the constant like just joke of taking pictures it's like why mm-hmm. it's like oh. so so creepy oh yeah that's the brother but i'm talking about the i guess he it was queerish the queer oh cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah sorry yeah yes but that that is hilarious yes yeah <laughs> especially when it comes back around in the the down moment um yeah where it's like i'll send you these <laughs> yeah. um but what about you i think mean, i've kind of like hijacked this a little I mean, bit here um well you mentioned michelle yo's character i want to talk about her mm-hmm. because she was frustrating all right how so because like she starts we start off the movie with the with this great basically cold open kick of michelle yo in like 1985 95 um where she is trying to get in to stay the night at this immaculate hotel Mm -hmm. and it's an all-white staff and they're just like oh sorry like this we don't have room for you and then she's like all right, I'm going to go call my husband. And then she buys the hotel. (laughs) Uh, It was such a baller move. And I was like, yes, I love this. But then, so like she becomes integrated into this uh, Asian family that this very high profile family in Singapore. Mm -hmm. And then when she sees Rachel trying to do the same thing, uh, we find out that she basically came from the same scenario where Michelle Yeoh was not accepted by the grandma either because she wasn't full asian she was also or she wasn't from a, a rich family right and so she was like she was looked down upon when she, when um the son married her and mm-hmm. so then michelle yo just like you know i've i've done what it takes to get here i know what it takes to be in this position and you will never get this and i'm like why are you like being so cold to her like it felt counterintuitive to what she would do because if she rose to this position of power um out of those same circumstances why wouldn't she look at the same out of uh, her element person yeah. and like be like, okay, I know this is difficult. I will help you. Mm-hmm. It just like, it, it made me frustrated. And then by the time the movie ends, she comes full circle, gives her like the, the ring that was not the family ring. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, that's a great moment. But like, I didn't just from that game that they played, I didn't feel like Michelle, you had this moment of realization where I was like, Oh yes, you are. You are me. I am you. I need to help you. I accept you. And then, like, they don't even really have, like, a connective moment. They're just, like, this, like, quick little, like, stare. And then Michelle Yeoh walks off the screen. I was like, mm-hmm. that that dynamic um, left me wanting a lot more. Yeah, I, I, I'll disagree. I thought it was per. I mean, okay, I'll, I'll agree and then I'll disagree okay. at the end because it gave me everything I needed. Um, the story behind it is she didn't get the family ring when she married the son because of the disapproval. Mm-hmm. And you very clearly shows you this jade yeah not jade yeah jade emerald an emerald mm-hmm. ring it's immaculate and you're like okay that's her family ring got it and when it comes in eventually nick will propose to um rachel with it later and that's how you mm-hmm. know that the mom finally came yeah. around because rachel's gonna go away um because she's like all right well if you don't want to i don't want to see you you don't want to see Nick give up his family for mm-hmm. me, so I'll make the sacrifice so yeah. you can have him, and then he'll probably resent you. But I hope he doesn't. And they're like, that's 
that's her move Mm -hmm. saying, all right, well, I'm willing to sacrifice it because I care enough about family, your family, to walk away. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the move that she respects where she's just finally like, I don't think she totally likes her, but she's just like, all right, well, I'm not going to let my son be unhappy. So she just kind of says, all right, go for it. Mm -hmm. Because this is a trilogy of books, if I'm correct. That's correct. I haven't haven't read a single word of either of these, but maybe that relationship still has some repair to do going forward. You would imagine? I would think so. Um, But I definitely do agree with you in the beginning part where she's like, how can you not be that understanding? Yeah. But the resentment seems to come from her upbringing in the States, in mm-hmm. New York, uh, rather than, you know, just her humble beginnings, I guess. Okay. So that, that was my take on okay. it. Okay. That's but fair. The, um, But while we're in New York, the opening made me think this was going to be a very different movie. I was like, why are we, why are we playing poker <laughs> in this early, like in this, uh, or in the, not the cold open, but the sort of like yeah, the introduction to Rachel. Yeah. Where I'm like, all right, this is a pretty cool way to... Mm-hmm. Like hope all economics classes <laughs> right? teach game theory like that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I've never. I don't think I ever did an economics class in college. So me neither. Can't say. <laughs> but that one did seem like a, a good time. Missing out either way. I guess so. Um, speak. I touching on Wu real quick. Is it hyperbole to say that she is giving? Uh, she gave an Oscar worthy performance here. Is it hyperbole? Because um, I feel like she's gave one of the better performances i've seen this year and it's still obviously early we're halfway through the year Mm -hmm. there's oscar fair galore that's going to come i'm not saying she's going to get nominated but it's like her charlize theron and tolly um emily blunt in a quiet place and maybe natalie portman from annihilation Mm -hmm. as like the best female performances i think i've seen this year off the top of my head there could be others i'm forgetting but I feel like she's got at least somewhat of a case currently for it. This movie, I feel like is going to be very popular. It's going to do very well this weekend at the box office. Um, it'll probably have pretty strong legs and repeat viewings. If this movie can stay relevant for enough and maybe it's a weak year for female leads. I I'm just saying, I wouldn't be surprised if Constance Wu is part of the conversation. I would not either, especially because that, the conversation with Michelle or with her and with Rachel and the mom at the yeah. Mahjong table at the end is pretty powerful because mm-hmm. that's when she kind of lays out her formula yeah. and kind of says, I'm, I'm hitting the road. Yeah. I, even, even this, even the post breakup scene between uh, Rachel and Rachel's mom. Oh yeah. I was like, man, that was a real gut punch too. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yes. Yeah. I would say, I don't think it's hyperbole. Okay. That's for sure. Um, and if we'll, it is, I'm going to start it anyways. We'll, okay, yeah. <laughs> Constance Wu for the Oscar. I'm sure people are going to like you know throw Claire, Claire Foloy and um, First Man's going to spring up the charts. But I mean, we'll, I just don't know what indies are out there. But I feel like if, of the list that you gave, absolutely. I feel like Claire Foy will, if she's good enough to be nominated, it'll be supporting. That's a good point. Unless, I mean... There's the semantics of, well, she's the leading female role, but is she going to have enough screen time to be a a, a lead? And I don't think so. Um, there needs to be a... Ca- we didn't talk about this last week. There needs to be a comedy <laughs> category. 
And then anyone anyone who does anyone who gives even a remotely powerful performance mm-hmm. in, like, or who gives such a powerful performance in, you know, comedy yeah. or these genre bending quote mm-hmm. for quote movies can be recognized, or else we would have, you know, um, Daniel or Daniel Kaluuya, mm-hmm. you know, winning best lead like. Last I mean, year. he got he got nominated. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> but he would have like outright won. I mean, I yeah, suppose. probably. Um, speaking of the Oscars, is there is there most popular film potential for Crazy Rich Asians? Oh, you absolutely. Think? It's going to blow past, you just kind of hinted at it, it's going to blow past its projections mm-hmm. easily. Um, so yeah, it'll probably finish with like 50 million. I don't think that's crazy. Opening weekend? Yeah. I would probably say like high 40s. I don't know what the actual productions are currently. But. I would put this on the list and I'm kind of glad I came around last week yeah. to with, listen to my journey. I listened back <laughs> to it and I'm just incoherent on all of my arguments. <laughs> so I think that helped with my conversion. But you just laid it out. All right. Excellently. Um, and you mentioned the two books just to kind of, I feel like, wrap this discussion up. Post-credit scene. Yes. There's a post-credit scene with Gemma Chan uh, mm-hmm. meeting, um, I think his name is Michael. Um, and apparently yes. that relationship was a much larger part of the movie originally. But then they had to cut the story down because they felt like it was just too much. Yeah. Um, but in the book, that is a very big part of the book and then it plays obviously into the sequel books where um jim and chan's character and this new romantic interest they were they were actually romantically involved prior to her getting married but right he was not approved as a spouse for her so then she married her husband mm-hmm. that we see in the movie so um i think just as uh you know get my let my marvel roots you know flow here okay. uh Gemma Chan's performance here made me super excited to see what she's going to do in uh, Captain Marvel next yeah. year because she's supposed to be a Cree scientist and I'm like it's probably not going to be a huge role but she killed it in this and I, I want to see more so I'll probably like check out Humans which is her show um, on AMC yep. um, that I, I'm like I just want to like see more of her content now because she really impressed For me sure. so um, then the guy the guy's name is Charlie he's played by Henry oh. Shum Jr. Charlie not Michael I don't know what I'm talking about um, but there's two sequels. Do you want to see them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I want to return to this world. I just want to. I want to know more about Jimmy Yo Yang's character. Is he, he's like playing the non-stereotype version of his character on Silicon Valley, and I think it was great. He was more like a. He's like the jerk, yes. um, friend who's like you know, or like the frat boy, I guess, who's mm-hmm. throwing this big bachelor party thing. <laughs> it just it leads to some great hijinks. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's very much a jerk in the movie. <laughs> Which is yeah. I mean, we're fine, but yeah, he, it was good. Yes, he was. Um, so you have any other thing, any other stuff you want to mention about Crazy Rich Asians here? Or think we're good to wrap it up and do final thoughts? I am good to wrap it up and do final thoughts. All right. So uh, my final thoughts, Crazy Rich Asians, thought it was great. Go check it out if you're in for a rom-com. Uh, performances are strong. Story's great. And uh, I think you'll be smiling throughout the movie. Yeah, I totally agree. Heartfelt, powerful, um, and may, may, almost made me cry twice. There you go. That's a ringing endorsement from Josh Straley and the Friends of Film as a whole. So that is our review for Crazy Rich Asians, and we'll be right back in a bit with the news. And we're back with the news, and as always, we're going to start with 
our three main topics. This week we're going back to a segment and a topic that we've been covering very much of late, which is James Gunn in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And if you were waiting for him to get the announcement that he's gonna, he's back, he's being rehired, it's, that's not this week. Yeah. It's actually the complete opposite this week. Uh, Variety reported that Disney is standing by the decision to fire James Gunn as director of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and will not rehire him. Uh, this decision comes after Alan Horn, Disney chairman, uh, met with Gunn to discuss a possible collaboration again, bringing him back with Guardians of the Galaxy 3 in some capacity. But Horn decided after the meeting, which Variety described as just kind of a courtesy meeting, um, that that is not going to happen, that Guardians 3 will still have gun script in most forms, but that a new director, which the search is going to start up very soon, uh, once Kevin Feige is back in town, whoever comes on board will probably do um, some brief punch-ups and small rewrites just to kind of give their own influence on the script but the general story character arcs all that kind of stuff are going to remain intact for guns vision it just won't be him directing it so josh we've been talking about this for like the last uh month at this point month and a half mm-hmm. almost yeah now that it looks like he is definitely not coming back where where are you landing it's i mean, it's, I, I mean listen i probably went too far calling alan horn a hack last week yeah um but he is he's very much i think he just doesn't see the larger picture. And I think Disney doesn't see the larger picture and it's sad. I'm disappointed. I really want I really want him back on, but I really hope that he's allowed to produce on the movie and I mean if he's getting paid for screenwriting, there's no way he's not going to whoever they whoever whoever the cardboard cutout director is that they grab, mm-hmm. which is what I hope. I, mean, I don't need anybody innovative at this point cuz they're using <laughs> well. they're using his script. How about that? Yes. Um, of course, Scott Derrickson or Taika Waititi, I think some names that are like swirling, I guess. Mm-hmm. But Scott Derrickson's doing Yeah, not, not Scott Derrickson. That would not be a fit. Right. It's assuming um, Doctor Strange isn't going forward. But whoever they, I mean, those will be acceptable. But whoever they get's going to follow what he laid down. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of hope he, they're basically sending dailies to gun the entire way through. And he'll end up being a, I hope he ends up, just being a producer on this. That'd be great. Um, I don't, it's tough. I don't feel like he's going to produce the project. I mean, he may get a producer credit because of the work he's already done. And so at that point you may have to give him one, but I don't think from this point moving forward uh, that they will have gun involved. Cause I think it just, the more you have gun involved from this point moving on, it just brings up the argument again of why aren't you just having him direct the movie? Like, yes, you'd have to go back in your word. Yes, it could be a possible PR nightmare of having, you know, alt-right headlines saying Disney rehires uh, pedophilia joking director. And it's just like, well, that's just that's not going to go over well with certain parts of the population. But it's at the same time, you know, at this point, I'm just choosing to, I guess, accept that gun's not going to return. Not, you know, yeah, I would prefer it if he was directing it. I would absolutely love that. Um, cause I just, as time goes on, I just mm-hmm. feel like he shouldn't have been fired in the first place that Disney acted too quickly, but they're not going to go back now. It looks like, so I'm just going to accept it, move on. Um, and then just kind of wait to see who they bring in. I would love since they are still using gun script. If like, it, it may be a little weird for gun and whoever else directs, but I would love like a sit down meeting between gun and whoever comes on next just to kind of discuss what like his vision was so that way like but that's the other weird thing like 
and why I feel like this is not a great job for a director is just like, if you, at this point you're a director that's going to come in and make somebody else's movie basically. So what's the appeal here other than just being like, hey, I directed a $200 million movie that's going to make $900 million worldwide probably, mm-hmm. get great reviews. Um, but then even if that's the case, the conversation will be like, well, was it was it your work or was that Gunn's work? Yeah. And it'll all, I think the credit will go to Gunn, all the blame if it's if it's bad will go to whoever takes over. Right. So I feel like it's just a lose-lose scenario. So I, it's good luck to, I guess, Disney trying to find somebody else. Yeah, and I mean, good luck to the director too, yeah. like you said. Um, and yeah, and like the crazy thing is too, you're kind of set up to be, it's, it's a project set up for failure without anyone else other than Gunn in the director's chair. Because mm-hmm. third film in the franchise is usually the most ill-received typically yeah. when except when you're the, the russos and that's when x-men that's what x-men apocalypse says at least. yeah exactly. third one's always the worst <laughs> turned out the third one was the worst precisely um and so like even though even you thought uh volume two was a step down mm-hmm. in some ways i believed it was the perfect sequel anyway um <laughs> so yeah I, I it's gonna be a tough job and that's why i think they're going to get around this like clearing the air. I don't know what that means. Um, but all we know, all the variety article goes on to say is, um, they're not reinstating him as director, Mm -hmm. but they are using his script, which means he's still involved. If he's still involved, let him be involved as much as you can, you know, um, spin, Mm -hmm. let him produce. He'll definitely sit down with whoever they hire. Um, and whoever they hire is probably going to be someone who James Gunn says he can probably do it. Yeah. And then once you get the gun blessing, you can go for it. And then dailies rewrites, he'll, he'll produce his name will be, you know, buried in the credits mm-hmm. on the movie. But you know, um, there's still hope for it. Yeah. And it will be instrumental to look for, um, Bautista's, Twitter <laughs> just watch that and all the signs of you know the state of Guardians of the Galaxy 3 um, will be right there I think yeah I mean if you go check it out now he's been resharing a screen ad article for the last like, 24 hours mm-hmm. just like I love this article I love this article uh, yeah. so go check it out uh, it, it's just it's interesting how that stuff plays out sometimes but yeah I don't think even if Gunn's not directing it like you said this isn't a crapshoot of a movie now like this Still Marvel Studios, still Kevin Feige overseeing it, still has gun script. It's going to be serviceable. It'll be good. But I just wonder if it'll have the the charm and the laughs and everything of the first two movies or if some of that stuff will be lost with gun script. I also hope that since they're using gun script, that means they can maintain his Awesome Mix Volume 3 soundtracks, yeah. which he always says he writes those into the script. So I really hope that's the case. I really hope that whoever... <laughs> It's just a, going back. It's just a weird thing for whoever comes on to replace because I want that other director to do everything Gunn has done for the last two movies and not mess anything up. Like I want them to still play the Awesome Mix Volume Three soundtracks on set during the during the sets, so that way the actors can feel the music that they're performing to on screen. And I want to I want to like whoever does the score with this new director if, if Tyler Bates returns I want them to collaborate and have the score ready in time so that way again they can play the score on the set so you can get the musical feel because music is such an integral part of the Guardians franchise that it's just like there are these uh, factors to 
two guardians that are so specific to the franchise that I don't want to lose. Yeah. And I'm just at this point, you just got to have put your fingers crossed and mm-hmm. hope that, you know, that Marvel studios gone, whoever else comes on, they can figure it out. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the guardians of the galaxy two script right now and Brandy and Mr. Blue sky are worked right into the first three pages. Yep. Or six pages. Sorry. So, uh, on that note, we will move on from gun and gardens of the galaxy volume three, Probably for the last time, barring some crazy unforeseen, uh, you know, change in mind from Disney overall. But we will instead go to a possible casting that we talked about many, many, many episodes ago. That being Tom Cruise possibly being a contender for Hal Jordan in the DC universe. Uh, this was kind of brought back up this week from a kind of a gossip website that laid out this information back in March that a A-list actor was being courted for the role of how for a for the role of a big superhero in a big blockbuster but that they had reservations signing on because the end of the movie called for the character to die. They revealed this week that that tip was about Tom Cruise and Green Lantern re-sparking speculation that Tom Cruise is somehow kind of being courted to play Hal Jordan in Green Lantern Corps. Um, he hasn't obviously signed on at this point, but then Revenge of the Fans um, also kind of reiterated that Cruz is, it seems like he's basically waiting in the wings to take on this role, kind of whenever a script is done, uh, that Jeff Johns, who's now writing the script, maybe has like kind of told Cruz his direction, and Cruz is basically just kind of waiting now to see if it can shape up and get to a place where he can do this movie, but then also have a role in potential other movies moving forward. So if we get Tom Cruise, or I mean, let's just throw it out there. Are you okay with Tom Cruise as Hal Jordan? Three months ago, I would have said, heck no. <laughs> um, but now, yeah, I, I like the idea of it. Um, it's either the Tom, I mean, Tom Cruise is the quintessential character you want for this guy. He's mm-hmm. like idealized in that, in that man. As someone you want. I mean, he's Top Gun. Danger Yeah, zone. I mean, Maverick from Top Gun is basically Hal Jordan. That's a built-in audience, too. You'd be like, wait a minute. Am I watching Top Gun? Oh, no, it's Green Lantern. You could basically retcon Top Gun to be the Hal Jordan prequel. You could fly Jeff Johns in to the Top Gun Maverick set <laughs> and turn it into a Green Lantern okay, movie. interesting. And no one would notice. Eh, maybe. I think some people notice. post credit scene. Post credits. Okay. Okay. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I, I like this a lot. Um, Tom is great, and then I think his toothy smile would you know flashing that all across the screen, paired with the right person, of course, mm-hmm. um, would make for a killer Green Lantern movie. But he's gonna need a good director. Yeah, that's my only reservation, because I mean. Maybe there's also one of those waiting in the wings. Is there one of those waiting in the wings? I just there's been those those links to Macquarie, to DC, mm-hmm. and him and Tom Cruise obviously have a rapport now that they've been building up for the last couple of years. And after Fallout, them two I think could get any gig they want in Hollywood. So whether it what like if it's Green Lantern and Macquarie does this giant space action movie with Tom Cruise and Trevante Rhodes leading the way based on a script from Jeff Johns, or it's um, Macquarie directing Man of Steel 2 with Henry Cavill. Again, Ooh. a fallout team up with, if and it, Cruise wants to get involved, you have him play like Brainiac or something crazy. Um, there's, there's ways to I think make this happen. And 
I think that Cruz, based on the information we have of that they want this older Hal Jordan that can be the mentor to John Stewart, and that way John can be the face of the Green Lanterns, take mm-hmm. over for years to come. And then how could like just be like a space cop that like pops up every now and then in various movies. Uh, that seems like a great idea for Cruz where you get him in this big first movie where, you, where people are going to be like, Green Lantern? Wait, wasn't that the Ryan Reynolds movie from uh-huh. 2011? Oh, that, that was that was terrible. I'm not going to go see another one of these. It's like, no, but it's got Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. It's got the, it's got Ethan Hunt. You got to go check this out. And they're like, all right, okay, we'll go check it out. And it's great. And people fall in love with whoever plays Jon Stewart. And then they're like, oh, by the way, Hal Jordan's still alive now. And he's going to appear in some other random movie. He'll appear in the Lobo movie briefly just to kind of give you some, some A-list talent over there too. And yeah. uh, it'll just get... Big and crazy. I I want to see Cruz get involved in these uh, major franchises like this. And if he could get a role like Hal Jordan where he is the face or half of the face of the franchise for the first movie. And then he just takes a back seat and he's like a Nick Fury type character. He just kind of pops up whenever you need him. Absolutely. Why would you not get him? Yeah, I I don't. I think it would make Green Lantern a little less powerful of a first movie if you don't have some kind of. Jordan Hal sacrifice or anything like that. I, I do. I will say this. I think it's a little bit selfish from Cruz here to be like, I don't want to die. Give me the Green Lantern franchise. I like, let me, let me be. I think, I think it's a little bit. I feel I like just, that's understandable. It's a little bit selfish. Um, but also fits very much in line with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Like, uh, or does it? Yeah. I mean, like this guy wants franchise. This guy wants his that's name true. to be the biggest. He wants to be, he is probably the biggest movie star ever uh and he's not gonna be like yeah i'll, I'll do your one movie mm-hmm. no he's like all right i'll do this movie but i'm gonna produce it and then i will also want four or five extra films that i can opt into at any point so i can go appear in black adam or go appear in shazam 2 or do whatever i else need to or feel like wanting to do point. and he just like it, it, it just has that star but not star potential he's got that star power to last you and carry you through years of DC movies. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I forgot about, I mean, of course, there's his dark universe. He was more than happy to jump in there. Yep. Um, full with full knowledge of the mm-hmm. movie. Um, Jack Reacher seems to be dead. But I sure hope so. Yeah. <laughs> never, you never go back. That's what they said. <laughs> they swore it off in that last movie. Um, so, okay. Uh, yeah, hope. I think well, the way you described it is the best way to go about that. I would be all for it, mm-hmm. even though it, it does. I think it does still. I would rather see um, John Stewart more than Hal Jordan. But, like, if you have Tom Cruise, you but have you to will. use Tom Cruise. That's, like, the point of this. Like, Hal's not the lead of the franchise. But if you have Tom and you get Christopher to come in to do the yeah. movie you're going to want something. I mean, you're going to want to carry, you want to take that momentum that's going to spark off this movie and go for it for three, four, three films. So maybe that's your first move is do a good Hal Jordan movie. No. Then do a no. good trilogy no. and then no. bring in Hal. No, you got, or John. you got it. You got to bring in John right from the start. Okay. I think, it, I think it's just a, I mean, I, I think it's just a, it's a bad, it would be a bad move on DC's part to overlook John Stewart, who's a character for a lot of people who grew up with like Justice League, um, Justice League Unlimited, the Justice League cartoons, yes. where John Stewart is their Green Lantern. Basically, mm-hmm. it's not Hal. Right. So a lot of these younger kids, or even people now who are our age and in their twenties, John is their Green Lantern, not Hal. Yes. So they're 
like they're gonna be like, I don't want to see how. Like I've seen how on the big screen already with Ryan Stewart, with Ryan Reynolds, and it wasn't good. Right. I want to see something new. Mm-hmm. Give me John Stewart. Then we get to Guy Gardner and uh, Kyle Rayner and the yeah. other Green Lanterns that are out there. And I don't want to keep. That- I don't want to just rest on how Jordan shoulders and get some other diversity into the DC lineup. Yes, that that's actually a great point because when the Brian Reynolds movie came out, I was like, Green Lantern's white? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's an excellent point because, yeah, um, okay. It, it's a tightrope to walk. When you get Cruz, yeah, he just means Hal Jordan's going to be around. So yeah, how it, you it, use it, him from there would, would be interesting. So it, just, it just means he's around for the first movie to teach John and then by the end of the movie... Hal's like, all right, kid, you got this. You're the protector of Earth. Takes the ring off, puts it in his pocket, and then he puts his shades on, gets on a motorcycle, off into the sunset. He's got the need for speed. And then go see Top Gun 2. Danger zone. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on then to a possible director who could possibly join the MCU as Anton Fuqua revealed in an interview this week that he's going to meet with Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel Studios, about just a general meeting just to kind of see where things stand see if there's any projects that uh find him of interest that he may be want to attach himself to this is just a general meeting so it's not like he's going in for a specific project at this point but antoine fuqua fresh off equalizer 2 he is a great director i want to see him get involved in mcu is there any project in particular that you'd want to see him get attached to or even join a superhero franchise like this yeah this is the wild thing when i saw him meeting with kevin feige he's like what kevin feige why him if anything he should be meeting with amy pascal about night watch or you know he met with them about morbius or wow that makes sense but that is not him that is daniel spinoza got it right but anyway what characters I mean I'm not familiar with the Marvel mm-hmm. slate at all but is there any is there a certain character that sprung to mind I mean he's not directing Black Panther 2 oh, no, no way no way I mean That's, not to say that would be a bad choice but you don't taking that away from you gotta Ryan keep Coogler <laughs> my yeah. gosh if Coogler right. if Coogler keeps leaving these amazing franchises I'm gonna get really frustrated because mm-hmm. I want to see his Creed 2 and if I don't get to see his Black Panther 2 I'm just gonna be like what are we doing here yeah exactly Coogler, I mean I love you. But <laughs> I want to see you follow up some of these stories. Um, but just in terms of just a character that's like, what could what could he do next? Mm-hmm. I feel like the one that popped in everybody's mind, Revan Star Blade, <gasps> get him to do a Blade that's reboot. That's right. They uh, have Fox. Blade, was it Fox? Blade, it, no. Well, maybe a couple years ago. Blade is back within Marvel. Yes. It's just whether or not they actually want to make another Blade movie or not, or not mm-hmm. because it's like, well, do you got to get Wesley Snipes back because there's that fan appreciation for the Snipes films. Um, I think Fuqua would be a really great choice for Blade. Pair him up with like John Boyega or something, even though I think Boyega said he wouldn't do it because he respects Snipes too much, uh, which I'm you know, kind of disappointed in. But you get Antoine Fuqua, and since Denzel's too old to play, uh, play Blade... You just cast his son, John David Washington, who just blew it out of the water in Equalizer 2. Or not Equalizer 2, he's Black Klansman. Uh, you get him involved, and then it's the Washington, uh, Fuqua uh, connection, kind of, and have it go that way. That would be a great way to go, and I could totally get on board for that. And if it's not that, just have him do like, uh, just talk about maybe some of the X-Men movies you're possibly playing. Like have him come do 
uncanny x-men for 2022 or something and uh i feel like he's not a great fit for eternals but i'd also you know if, if he wants to do like this kind of not kirby ish like cosmic story where instead of going the taiko td crazy kirby route you like mm-hmm. ground it more in the crazy. historical background of it all and uh kind of tell the um creation of the eternals and how they conquered earth but then all the other crazy stuff that happens with them that'd be interesting um but i feel like blade is just the one it's like yeah that'd be a pretty cool choice did you say crazy kirby yeah like kirby the like, nintendo character no oh. no no like kirby the marvel uh artist oh jack kirby yeah duh okay <laughs> sorry i'm just so seeped in nintendo that's fine it's fine um no that's a great point uh, especially Blade. I mean, like, you, yeah, obviously Wesley Snipes needs to have some role, so maybe it's like a pass down. I mean, there were, I don't know if we to call them rumors necessarily, there were internet rumblings many, many moons ago that there was a Daughter of Blade Netflix series in the works, which clearly isn't happening, but that would be uh, an interesting direction to go, have Fuqua direct uh the daughter of blade movie and have a female mm. vampire hunter in there that'd be cool um the other suggestion i should throw out there moon knight just gotta throw it out there pair him and lakeith stanfield up oh yeah that'd be excellent that would be fantastic um like because i can't think of any more prominent black marvel superheroes not saying like that's what he has to right. do but obviously um that seems to be like their. I mean, MO there could right be now. like because Luke Cage is already you know out yeah there, he's on he's there. on Netflix. You could do like Blue Marvel, who's like a cosmic guy, but he's also uh, crazy powerful. You could do. Um, I saw some people suggest he should he could do like a Monica Rambeau movie, like a spinoff of Captain Marvel, um, or even like Thunderbolts, which you could get him have him do like the Suicide Squad of the MCU, which oh. would be cool. Um, so I, there's there's options out there depending on what Marvel is actually developing, which at this point we don't know a lot about. So we'll have to kind of wait and see if this materializes into anything. Um, but let's move on to Ticket or Skip It. Um, and this week we only have two trailers to give to decide which one we're going to give a ticket to, and it's between What Men Want a remake of what women want and then the second trailer for widows which we've talked about previously on the podcast josh which one is getting your ticket this week it's, it's basically a toss-up here okay because what women want is funny is great and tracy jordan is hilarious or what men want what men want yes thank you tracy jordan is that right tracy, tracy morgan. morgan not tracy jordan <laughs> to be confused with the 30 rock character but i don't know how you don't give a ticket to Steve McQueen's Widows. Mm-hmm. Um, every person in this film just looks inc- like they're going to kick an incredible amount of butt. Viola Davis, first and foremost. Um, I, it just looks epic mm-hmm. in so many ways. The dark, somber tone to it paired with the action and like the most like operatic feel to it. Um, is captivating in a lot of ways. And I just really, really want to see that. I haven't seen an actra- action opera on screen in a really long time. I mean, mm-hmm. John Wick, the original, was probably the closest we've had to it in a while. And just super excited to see that back on screen. Yeah, I'll also give my ticket to Widows. Um, that was a great first trailer. This one's 
maybe not as good as the first trailer, but it, it is it is right up there with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little lacking in John Bernthal in this one, though. So, uh, but more a, Daniel Kaluuya. That's true. A lot more super. Daniel Kaluuya, and loved that. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, he does look super menacing and like just. He's chilling. The little, the little, like he sticks his neck out yeah. and kind of like cocks his head a little bit, and like in intimidation is like. Ooh. Yeah, I'm excited to see him kind of play a villain a, a little bit more. Uh, so that should be fun. Uh, but I'll just to briefly mention what men want. I liked the trailer, but I I need to know more. Like, is this R rated or is this PG thirteen? Because probably R. Like the concept of a woman be able to hear whatever a man is thinking. <laughs> tends to play itself towards a very right. R-rated approach. And so I don't I wouldn't want to see this be just kind of watered down to PG-13. And some of the jokes were funny, some of them weren't. So it's like I just need to seal up more of this movie before I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll go check this one out. So, yes, my ticket is going to Widows for those reasons. Um, looks like it's still unrated, but I got to imagine um, it's going to end up hmm. being... Are. Sure hope so. Yeah. Pete Davidson's in there, Mark Cuban, Shaquille O'Neal. Um, and there's like a lot of other great people. So I think yeah. it makes uh, Max Greenfield from... Mm-hmm. From New Girl? New Girl, yeah. So it has potential. It does. And But you know, Widow's just... Widow's looks just that's great. A, I'm going, I know I'm seeing this. <laughs> right? <in the> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to the flyby then, starting with Jason Blum, who said yes on Twitter this week to the idea of Blumhouse taking control of the dark universe, something we suggested many, many months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and a big question about how, is the dark universe capable of saving? And we both said, yep, just send it to Blumhouse and give it to Jason Blum. And he says, give it to me. I'll make it work. And I hope this happens. I, I really do too. Um, because yeah, it's like, well, we laid out all of our reasons in the big question. Yes. Um, and they just, they know how to produce up-to-date films that connect with audiences and, that's it. Mm-hmm. Low budget. Precisely. Makes a ton of money. It makes too much sense. Exactly. So we'll have to wait and see if this actually happens or if this is just Blum answering questions on Twitter. Right. I hope it's the former. Yes. Because I would just love to see them build out anthologies with mm-hmm. these classic characters. Absolutely. So they've, they've got the universal first look deal. So Yes, they do. For another six years, I think. I mm-hmm. think they're four years into a 10-year deal, so... Universal, just make it happen. They can, they can, they can fix this. I have full confidence, Jason Blum. Um, Collider then reported this week that Tessa Thompson will voice Lady, and Benedict Wong will voice the English bulldog named Bull in Disney's Lady and the Tramp live action remake. And then Variety also added that Thomas Mann is going to play Lady's owner. So this movie just keeps adding a bunch more talent. It's going to be directed by Charlie Bean of the Lego Ninjago movie. Uh, I, I'm really happy with this cast so far. Yeah, I don't know anything about Thomas Mann other than he was in Kong Skull Island. He was, and he was in Me and Earl the Dying Girl and fantastic in it. Oh, he's the main character. Yes, he's he, Earl. No, no, he's Earl, me. Earl, yes, he is he's, me. <laughs> Earl is R.J. Seiler, and then the girl is Olivia Cook. Okay. So it is just like a, it is a great young cast, and Nick Offerman's in there, and he's hilarious. It's 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 a very worthy watch. All right, okay. So, but yes, Lay in the Tramp, this cast looks great. Tessa so. Thompson is the... That's the best casting mm-hmm. they've done. Well, yeah, and it's just Disney again taking care of their own. Mm-hmm. Tessa Thompson and Ben Huang, obviously from MCU, so there's there's using the fa- the talent they're already familiar with, um, and then moving on to another Disney property that's going to be a live action remake, but on the big screen is Aladdin, and the songwriters Justin Paul and Benj. 
Pasek told Variety this week that two new songs are coming to the live-action remake, one being a solo for Naomi Scott as Jasmine, and the other a duet between Jasmine and Aladdin. So... These are two brand new songs. They also added a new verse to the very first song in Aladdin. So I'm happy with this. Naomi Scott can like really sing. So having her or utilizing her talents more than just like, you know, a whole new world, I think is a very smart move. And I, I just really, at this point, hearing more about the songs, this movie comes out uh, next May, end of May, I believe. I just really want to see something from this movie now. We should be getting a trailer any week now yeah and i'm kind of wondering why it's taking so long maybe they're waiting for d23 next year the, the movie will be out by then really really yeah d23 is not till august next year oh. it's, it's really late i saw the announcement i figured it was like back in the spring nope okay well anyway point being they're not gonna wait till either way they're not gonna wait till the spring to last the first trailer yeah <laughs> you're you're right i i want to see something about this these guys um worked on La La Land as and Greatest well Showman. as Greatest Showman. So they've been they've had their, their hooks in two of the best musicals mm-hmm. we've had in a while. And yeah, I'm excited to see what they've got cooking up. Um, yeah, just generally Aladdin because I want to yes. know what the genie song with Will Smith is going to be like. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm most excited for. I just want to see what he looks like. Oh, yeah. That's so um, the last thing we have to mention here, we started with Crazy Rich Asians. We'll end with Crazy Rich Asians and that the rap reported that Crazy Rich Asians actor Remy He is joining Spider-Man Far From Home in a mystery role. Uh, he had a, a small role in Crazy Rich Asians as just kind of a a wannabe movie producer, but who's funding movies for his girlfriend to star in. And uh, he's just kind of, you know, a jerk. So when I ended up seeing Crazy Rich Asians and seeing this casting, I was like, oh, he could be like Harry Osborn. He may be a little, like, I think Remy's like in his late 20s, so he may be a little old to be the best friend of Peter Parker, but it could still work out. I would be okay with it. And other people have suggested like Shang-Chi, which is a Marvel uh, Asian hero or uh, Amadeus Cho, who's the another version of Hulk. Um, both would be fine by me, but again, I I feel like it could be Harry. I would love for it to be Harry, and for so many reasons. Um, but we've already kind of like got. I mean, because they're doing Sony's doing world building mm-hmm. with these movies. That's something that's like ultra clear. I mean, from Donald Glover's cameo in the yes. first, which says a lot. So we're kind of wondering like. When you cast someone this late in the game, mm-hmm. probably not anything that's going to come to fruition in the movie, I don't think. Other than just like, hey, that's Harry Osborn. Hey. And then they'll kind of duck out. But Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but I'm all on board for Harry Osborn. And then whoever they get to play, like, even if you skip over casting Norman Osborn, who you expect, who you suggested. John Cho. Which would be awesome. Um, prior to us recording yes, that. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Totally on before his character was hilarious. Or well, I, mean, I don't know if he'll play the same character, right? Or not, but um, looks like he can hold his own. So I'm gonna be excited to see what's more for him. Yeah. So that is it for the news, the flyby, the whole episode this week, which brings us to the end. Next week we will not actually have a review. We will instead do fun lists with Colton. Um, that is not the actual episode title or anything, but we are going to do uh, the best movies of the year so far. So we're each going to give our top. 10 i believe movies that we've seen this year and then compile a ranking of them all in one solid top 10 list so that should be a fun uh intro to the show and then we'll cover news as always as well we'll also be back this week with a big question tackling who should be the next james bond 
because Daniel Craig can't play his character forever. He's after he's done after Bond 25. Idris Elba's out here denying rumors that he's up for the role. So we'll talk about if it's not Elba, if it's not Craig, who's it going to be? You'll have to find out by tuning into that episode in the middle of the week. But if you enjoyed this one, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. And be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything covered by tweeting us at Friends of Film. You can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper and Coops for Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Josh. Thanks for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn next week for our best of the year so far lists.